This is PrimerCast episode five, and today we will be talking about 1917. Hey, Hamza. Hey. <laughs> okay, weird, <laughs> weird intro. <laughs> Let's let just proceed as if nothing happened, all right? So, okay. But yeah, so we'll be talking about 1917, and do you want to give a synopsis? Yeah, yeah. So 1917 uh, takes place in World War One. Uh, it's a Sam Mendes film. It's basically about uh, two British soldiers who are sent on a mission to deliver a, a note to the front lines to call off an attack. Because it's come to, intelligence like, has found out that the attack is like a setup by Germans. And uh, if the attack is allowed to happen, most of the soldiers would die. This is trap. Uh, right. And to make the stakes even higher, you have one of the one of the messengers, his brother is on the front lines on that tag. Right. So, so then yeah. you already have personal stakes involved. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, this was a film that released last year. It got a lot of critical reception, a positive critical reception and accolades. It was nominated for a bunch of things and it's well noted for its cinematography and sound design, right? Yeah, its cinematography is one of its main like characteristics. Because it is, it's all shot as in one take. Yeah. And the, yeah, that's the thing. Um, it's done by Roger Deakins. And uh, Roger Deakins, actually, he's my favorite cinematographer. So <laughs> <laughs> kind, of a, kind of a bias here. But I really like some of the stuff he did. But trust me, if you watch many of his movies, he's done some pretty amazing things like right at the top of my head i can recommend like fargo and blade runner 2049 oh yeah both, those are both definitely, have, yeah both yeah. have incredible film, especially blade runner 2049 like each oh yeah shot, the, the lighting is absolutely amazing yeah each film. shot is yeah. so beautiful to look at i mean and the movie's like three hours long and i wouldn't mind re-watching it again and again like yeah easily uh i think also in blade runner and this film 1917 he uses like color so mm -hmm. you have uh, in Blade Runner, like yellow is used to yeah. symbolize hope. Yeah. Also in this film, yellow is also used, but it's used to like symbolize danger. So the scene at nighttime where he's uh, the you flares are going Coast? up. No, like in, in 1917. Right, right in Ecoast, like yeah. the place. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Where the flares are going up, and he's like running through the buildings. I think that was one of the most beautiful film scenes I've ever seen. Uh, it's, it's incredible uh, because you have these like yeah. wide walkways. Like it's almost like, what do you say? Like old architecture, like you would see something in a university kind of thing, like those large. Yeah. Walkways. It's all bombed out too. Yeah. Like, like and, let's just say you went to Stanford, right. And like, imagine the entire place, like completely destroyed. I like, you just have yeah, one long yeah. walkway and that's what it kind of looks like. And then the shadows too, then move in and out. Uh, it's almost like a ballet, almost. Yeah. yeah. Uh, reminded me of 2001 Space Odyssey with the the station circling in the ship, docking. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I know, I know what you're talking yeah. about. But uh, but the thing is that the state those those scene in the station, right, in 2001. Mm -hmm. Those are like very grounded and more simple movements, right? But this one, there's a lot of chase scenes, so the yeah, camera has this to is follow. definitely more like. I mean, the shadows are more like abrupt, right? And they move in more like fluid manner, right? Right. And yeah, the thing about this movie is that the the entire advertising for this was that it was all done in one shot. But the main problem mm -hmm. I have with this is that it really isn't. You know, it doesn't stick to that uh, promise. 
you know yeah because you you can tell when they cut away uh usually it's like a, a wall that they zoom into and no, no, the no, next not, take not starts cuts. no those cuts are like obvious and like there's no way to get around those and what i was talking about was that around one hour in uh george mckay's character uh schofield he gets uh-huh. knocked out right so then, oh yeah yeah so he blacks out and so does the screen and then when he opens his eyes all of a sudden it is uh nighttime so i yeah, know the whole intention yeah. was to like create that it's 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 meant to be a transition right mm-hmm. yeah, yeah the entire thing so uh in order to make the transition seamless they kind of opted for a blacked out situation because it would be difficult to shoot that entire dawn to not dawn to dusk like afternoon to night time you know that yeah cuz he was out for some time yeah you yeah. got that like in the day and then yeah. you woke up at night time so yeah but the thing is that when you have like see sam mendes is like a really good director like the only other film i watched of his is road to perdition mm-hmm. and that was pretty amazing because i felt it was like one of the most grounded um grounded mob movies you know that i yeah, yeah and so i expected a lot coming into 1917 and uh, the thing is that i didn't get that because i feel like he opted for the easy way out in the situation so i feel like it doesn't do justice and now it's now that everyone now like as audience even normal audiences have started to pay attention to the one shot gimmick yeah it's it's, yeah. it's not it's not a gimmick essentially but but to the technique of using long takes it's uh-huh. now become a question of whether uh the makers of the movie are using it as a gimmick or actually to say something uh that really enhances the impact of the movie i think it's both cuz it definitely was advertised a lot mm-hmm. like the trailers and everything they made sure to mention that it was a one yeah. take movie but also i think it does help the plot uh does give a sense of like a building mhm and like a building like sense of you know like as the movie goes on tension rises as the films and cut right cuz usually a cut causes you know a break but you don't right. have that it just builds constantly yeah because when you have these long takes i think the intent here was to preserve the intensity right yeah so yeah. so as you by not cutting and by uh keeping the momentum going so you follow these two young boys they're basically boys you know these yeah, two young boys the messengers 1918 years old yeah yeah they're really young and so you follow these two people in danger and you see the hardships that they go through as they just try to deliver this one message due to the telegram lines being cut right yeah and you see all this but at the same time you know i can't help but think uh it feels a little more of a gimmick because there's nothing that you know really stood out to me Mm-hmm. upon a rewatch the first time i was completely floored but the second time i watched this it was like you know i felt like the movie didn't have anything else to offer because at its heart it's a very simple story you know all the exposition is given in the first 10 minutes like they had to carry this message to the other side because yeah, the british soldiers are falling into a trap right off off the bat it really establishes a plot yeah yeah and then the addition of the personal stakes for uh dean charles chapman's character um mm-hmm. what's his name let me check uh his name the actor's name is Dean Charles Chapman and his name is Tom so Tom Blake uh and he has personal stakes because his brother is uh part of the the re- regiment that's going to be uh killed right yeah so at the moment they said that 
uh, I was like, if he dies, then it's going to be an extremely predictable movie. And that's exactly what happened. <laughs> yeah, he dies. Know? He dies pretty fast, actually. Yeah. Uh, in the Bond house. Yeah. I thought his death was a little stupid because, you know, uh, th- these people, I mean, as, as characters so far, they haven't, like, shown any hints of, like, sympathy towards the Germans. They're always, like, more in the mind of, like, trying to get back home, right? Yeah. Yeah, the survival. Actually. Right. And so when they save the German pilot, right, who crashed down around mm-hmm. like 40 minutes into a movie, it yeah. felt, it felt uh, like it was done on, like it was done for the sake of the story and not something that... Yeah, it did feel kind of forced. Yeah. The thing is that it doesn't feel like a decision that the character would make for like their safety. It was more for the story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it definitely was it. kind of forced. Yeah. But... That scene was actually pretty interesting. Um, like the cherry trees chopped down. That was a nice touch, I think. Wait, which cherry tree? Um, They're like blossoming tree trees that are chopped down. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. I remember what you're saying. Yeah, that was and, a, definitely an interesting touch to that uh, set design. Yeah. I thought that I I don't know. It reminded me a bit of uh, Paths of Glory by Kubrick. Because, yeah, yeah. So, in Path of Glory is also a World War One movie, and it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's more of a yeah. yeah, it's more of a movie that turns into like this military courtroom drama of sorts. So it yeah, it's very anti like yeah anti war too yeah. yeah, and yeah yeah it's a it's a pretty good film. But basically, the way they walk through the trenches, it seemed to mirror some of the shots. The in, tracking shot, yeah, the yeah. famous Kubrick tracking shot where he's yeah. walking down the trench, yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of that had a major influence, you know, especially when these two people, uh, they walk in the trenches, the abandoned trenches that the Germans left. Yeah, when a they lot of the shots, land. Yeah. And a lot of the shots there were, uh, all, a lot of the tracking shots reminded me of Path of Glory. And the conversations too, that they had, it was a little similar too, you know. I mean that's not a bad thing though. Uh, you know, no, 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 it's not Tarant- bad. I was just Tarant- Tarantino is known for you know a lot of directors are known for you know. Yeah, it never felt like yeah. it was remaking Path of Glory. You know, nineteen seventeen felt like its own thing, but I, yeah. I just saw the similarity and I thought I yeah. it out. But yeah, I think I think in that sense though, I mean, I think it's a really well choreographed uh, movie. You know, in its execution. Yeah, because it does take dedication and like time to attempt the one take. Right. Yeah, uh, even though even if it was a gimmick to sell the movie, it still takes dedication and time to mm-hmm. do it. Yeah, uh, I find about like the first twenty minutes to be pretty fantastic because you know all the exposition you get immediately, and then yeah, so you as, you know the stakes right off the bat, like right. you know it's on the line. Yeah, and so there are like two major things that are happening in the next ten minutes as we see them uh, walk to the other side, right? Like out of the out of their camp. And into the yeah, trenches. as they walk to the main line, the right. front line trench, yeah. Right, because as they, so we see them, you see the camp as the camera moves slowly, like, you know, the tracking shot, and then you start yeah, to see everyone else the, around them. Yeah, yeah. And then once they get the message, they start going in the, going in another direction, like the opposite direction. And you see the mood of the soldiers change as soon as they get away from the camp. Like the ones who are in yeah, the camp, yeah. they feel a lot more, I don't know, cheerful, they look a lot more healthier and like happier. Whereas it, the ones at the front line, right? They feel like mm-hmm. wounded, 
they're disheveled, they seem to be traumatized. And a lot of them are smoking cigarettes too. Yeah, it, it reminds me of Apocalypse Now as the as they go down the river and then meet, you know, then meet different soldiers. Yeah. The further down they are, the more like insanity they see. Yeah. So and in the beginning you have like, you know, like fresh off the boat recruits mm-hmm. who are like eager to fight. As you go further in to the front lines, you see people who are like, you know, mm-hmm. they've dealt with the realities of war and they've seen what this war has done. Yeah. And especially like the mood switch too, because one of them oh, accidentally yeah. comes into collision with Blake and they start fighting all of a sudden, you know? Yeah. And yeah. it's just that mood swing, you know, it, it may seem like drama, but it's just like showing how those soldiers feel like they're so, they're more annoyed with the fact that they had to sit in those trenches. I don't think it's a problem with fighting for their country, but they're just tired of it because it's yeah, been going on I think for so at, long. At, at that point, they don't care about like, politics yeah. or like, you know, I think world or anything. They just, they just want to do the job and get home and get the hell out of there. Yeah. Like survive, basically. Yeah. And that, that later on becomes the two main characters too. I mean, one of them, the one who dies. No, one of them is like, already like that, right? Like Schofield, he got the yeah. he, there, There's a story about how he keeps talking about how he got the ribbon. And Blake often asks him, like, why didn't he keep the ribbon? And he says that he swapped it for a bottle of wine. So it's Yeah, like, because it's to him, you know. Yeah, yeah go ahead. It's a, it's a ribbon. It, doesn't, it has no, like, you know, real value to him. He would have survived. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the thing is that, yeah, that's the thing. Because his attitude is like, I don't care anymore. And all he wants to do is go back to his family. That's what he cares about more than honor. And yeah, uh, yeah. prestige and value in the army. He just wants to leave all that and go back home. Because he feels like he has a life to live. Yeah. And uh, for some reason, the other guy cannot comprehend that. Because I don't think he's all for the honor or value either. But... He's on another footing where he feels the need to be heroic, you know? I think he's also, also uh, he's a new recruit. He hasn't really seen, you know, the true nature of war. Mm-hmm. Because, um, wait, is he a new recruit? Or, because they never say that. They just say, like, these two people are together and then they just send them off. Yeah, but he's less experienced, for sure. Yeah, that shows too. Yeah. Like, Schofield is, like, a lot more, you know, he's battle-hardened. He has, like, experience yeah so. with the ribbon and yeah. stuff too yeah yeah and the main thing um i think the one of the most impressive scenes other than the one at ecoost was the one before where they have to walk over no man's land because oh yeah so as they walk past the fence right they get tangled yeah the barbed wire yeah yeah once a bar after the barbed wire gets tangled and he removes it off you know after it hurts his hand yeah schofield and uh is it Schofield? I'm going to say Schofield because every time I say Schofield, <laughs> Schofield and Blake, uh, they walk and then they see there's this like huge like sap trench, right? And there's like just yeah. dead men. It's like a giant pool of dead men. Mm-hmm. And just like a foreshadowing, like it just exemplifies the danger that they're going to face through visual language. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, because it's so ironic, this- right? Because there's like a no man's land this is full of dead people. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think no one's not like historically too. I don't think like you if you died there, you wouldn't be like brought back, you'd just get buried. 
in the movement. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, and yeah, because since you said that, there were there were also people complaining about having to bring the dead bodies back, and they're just like, why don't we just leave it there? Because it's yeah, so much danger yeah. to like get those bodies back. You know, yeah, because dying too. Yeah. And uh, I there was like a slight jump scare. Did you notice that? Uh, in the no in the trench. Yeah, in the trench, like he turns. Oh, uh, with, right. with the dead body. The dead body and. To his right, there was a skull too. Oh yeah, yeah. And that one, yeah. I I don't know if it was overdoing it, but I thought it was okay. But I think I mean, the, yeah, yeah. Uh, it definitely added to a sense of uh, you know surprise. Yeah. Yeah, and the thing is, the there were horses too. I thought the oh horses, yeah, dead horses. Yeah, yeah, and I thought the horses looked good, but then the flies around it. I felt like it was a little too much because I don't know. It didn't seem real. I mean, there would be flies on a dead horse. No, not that. I'm just saying like the flies didn't look as real as it should. Like, oh, cause it probably CGI. Yeah. 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 It was a little probably jarring because back. the horses looked fantastic. Like the dead yeah, horses. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. you have all these, like, there's just, like, it's like these tiny specks of light almost, you know, when you see them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It just didn't look that good. Uh, do you want to talk about the German, uh, like the bunker where they go inside? Yeah, go. Yeah, you go ahead. Yeah, uh, that was that was intense. Definitely, like as you might see, type of uh, scene. Uh, and like, then the explosion at the end was like well yeah. timed. Yeah, because they enter the bunker and then they they just happen to go into this trap, right? There's a trip wire and there's a mouse. Yeah, yeah. That just falls. Oh, yeah, the mouse set it off, yeah. Yeah, the mouse sets it off. And yeah. Then <laughs> I mean, the entire scene, I mean, this guy's like half dead, right? Schofield is like half dead. He's buried under. And if not for Blake, I think he would have died at that point. Oh, yeah, yeah. So he, he's already like, yeah. Yeah, he's blind and buried, he has to jump yeah. that ledge. And I was like, oh, my God. Okay. Yeah, but, it was definitely intense. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and I, I think it just shows like how the movie escalates so fast. Because you have yeah. like, you know, like just a few minutes before and just walking almost casually and then suddenly you have explosions and one is almost dead. Mm-hmm. So because, I think it def- yeah, it definitely shows like, you know, like stuff can change in like warfare like in seconds. Yeah, because the entire time there's like, the, the, I think the, I thought the music was like well suited for this, that scene because oh yeah, yeah. It, was, it, was, it was a little on the low. Like, it was just more of the danger that you could see. Mm-hmm. So it felt, like, not manip- manipulative. But every scene from that onward, you know, when I heard the score, I heard the riser and everything, it often sounded like something from Dunkirk. Or yeah, the yeah. use of, like, piano for, like, the sad scene, which felt a little manipulative. Like, it's not something that I would expect to see, you know, in a Sam Mendes film. Yeah, I mean, those are basic tropes, I think, used by a lot of films. And they are kind of overused, but... I, I mean, there's, there's like a point, right? And I don't know, I think I just went into this movie with a lot of high expectations because of all the critical acclaim it received. And mm-hmm. I just feel like, you know, especially with the one-shot gimmick. And I don't know, I just expected yeah. a lot more. I mean, I got quite a bit, but, you know, it felt very... I mean, the story is nothing new. It's pretty normal and like plays it safe, you know. There's like it's a very simple story, right? And it's not simple that it's bad. It's simple that 
it's not ambitious, right? Like, uh, it's not as ambitious as something like Dunkirk or Saving Private Ryan, you know? Yeah, because, I mean, even Saving Private Ryan is a similar plotline. Right, but it, it has so much it's more It's like get, to, getting a message to someone. Right. It's very similar in that. Right, right. This, instead yeah. of, like, said, telling the a whole regiment, it's like retreating a brother, which is, in, in fact, like, kind of a subplot. Like, not a subplot, but a sort of motivation for one of the main characters in this movie. Yeah, yeah. So, but Saving Prior Ryan also has many incredible scenes, you know, especially with the 30-minute battle in the beginning. And yeah, the, the D-Day landing, yeah. Yeah, and the end. And the way the characters respond to situations, it felt so much more natural and real uh, in comparison to 1917. Like, I'm not denying that they didn't do it. I mean, there's clearly a lot of effort put into this, and it, this is a movie that is really personal to Sam Mendes because... It is based on an account his told by his yeah. grandfather, yeah, Alfred Mendes. And, yeah. and it's based on the attack that was doomed to fail after the German retreat to the Hindenburg line, you know, during Operation Albrecht. So, Albrecht, yeah. uh, or Albrecht, I don't know how to pronounce. Albrecht. No, Albrecht. Okay, never mind. <laughs> but yeah, but then when I see this one shot, it reminded me, you know, the way, I mean, it wasn't as bad as the one in Extraction. Do you recall that movie? The one that released this uh, I haven't seen that, no. All right. So Extraction, when they advertise it on Netflix, I mean, Extraction is the most, uh, Extraction has a very run-of-the-mill story, and the main thing going for it is its action scenes. So it's based on this fugitive who's supposed to rescue some boy uh, who is the son of one of the biggest crime lords in Bangladesh. Mm-hmm. Bangladesh. Um, and essentially, there's this 12-minute fight scene uh, that is shot, that is edited to look like it's one long take. But oh, so of, like 1917. Right. But the thing okay. is, it, it never feels very natural. I mean, the fight scenes are good, but, and, you know, the director was actually uh, in the scene. Like, he was shooting some of the stuff. Like, he, so the director of the movie, Sam Hargrave, he's also a stunt double for Captain America in the Marvel movies. So, oh. <laughs> so he did a bunch, he did a lot of the scenes. He was like holding the camera. Uh, he was in front of the oh, car, like shooting okay. everything. So mm-hmm. some of the, some of the, so the action choreography is really good. But the thing is that it just feels so unnecessary to the plot. It's like they based the entire movie around this twelve-minute scene in order to get people to watch it. So in a sense, you're like tricking the people into uh, seeing something that might not be what they expected. Or okay, for me at least, I'll speak for myself. It was not something that I expected because. Uh, keeping everything aside, you know, even just coming for the action scenes, that's the only one thing that looks significantly great because there's a bunch of other stuff that happens in the movie that really shouldn't happen, you know, in relation to the plot. Okay, and yeah. That's sort of the feel I got in 1917 for uh, some of the scenes, not all. So I think some of them are justified, but, you know, I felt mm-hmm. like this was a movie that could have been done in multiple long takes instead of trying to combine everything into one shot. Yeah, I think it did tried just a little bit too hard to maintain that one take thing uh it definitely is admirable to do that but like i think it's tried a little bit too hard to do that like yeah like like you said it could be achieved with you know breaking up the takes just a little bit yeah yeah because um because yeah because otherwise it's a pretty average war movie you know in terms of the music and in terms of the scope and the ambition other than the one shot uh, other than the one-shot advertising, I don't think it's in the same league as movies like Dunkirk and Saving Private Ryan, you know, and Paths of Glory. 
because yeah i always uh, like find something special in dunkirk and each of those movies like there's always something i can immediately think of when, yeah dunkirk's timing is very nice like yeah it's like like the, like the way it's set up is nice uh one thing i don't like about dunkirk is like it doesn't show the scope of british like presence on the beach like right no you could have used cgi either. They could use CGI to make it like a lot more people on the beach, but there's like not it's, like a thousand extras, which is like not a lot. Yeah, no, Dunkirk also yeah. has much less violence in comparison to nineteen seventeen. Yeah, it's it's more like it plays an a little safe of the whole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 I agree with you there about Dunkirk because there are definitely some things that were sort of taken. I don't know, I don't know why, but there was like a lot less blood and violence than I expected in Dunkirk because. The other scene right yeah, in the beginning. It is a war movie and there's no like, you know. But I think I think the focus of the movie instead was to like talk about the tension that the soldiers were feeling at the time, you know. They thought they would be left for dead, right? Like left. Yeah, and it has like Christopher Nolan time, you know. The what's the one week, one day, one hour thing? Yeah. And then all <laughs> of it just coalesces together towards the end. Yeah. Yeah, the yeah, it's a, it, yeah, it's a, it's a very Nolan thing to do. <laughs> well, yeah. back to 1917. Uh, you want to talk about the ending? I, I think... Uh, yeah. I, one scene I found interesting was when he walks into a group of soldiers who was singing that song. Uh, that, was, that was a pretty powerful moment, I think. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I actually thought yeah. that was a lot more powerful than the scene where he like, runs in the middle of the battlefield. Oh like yeah, definitely. Yeah, no. Th- this was a lot more like humanizing. Yeah. So the way he comes to this place is that you know after uh, Blake dies because of the German pilot, uh, and then uh, Mark Strong comes in, right? Mark Strong comes in, and you know all of a sudden, like conveniently, there's this regiment out of nowhere. Yeah, driving here past. Helps yeah, him, and it drives across. And I think that that's also a very good scene because unlike Dunkirk. Uh, I think uh, Sam Mendes like chose to show the inclusion of people other than the British who were fighting for the British. Yeah, right? the minorities. Was, he had like uh, Commonwealth soldiers, which is yeah. a very good touch. Yeah, uh, because there was an inclusion of a Sikh, right? Yeah. And yeah. What's his name? John Ladar, and then like John Ladar, and I think the British call him Johnny. You know for short. But <laughs> I, but I, I don't think most war movies would do that, and I was surprised to no, see that. No, yeah, no, that was definitely a good touch because you know Dunkirk didn't have any of that. Yeah, a lot of a lot, and a lot of like people from the colonies did fight and died in these wars, and they need to be like remembered for their services. Yeah, and so I thought that was, that was a very nice touch. Yeah, and also another thing I noticed was that out of all the soldiers, the Sikh soldier was the one that had the most uh, sympathy. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know, it could be one of two things. Maybe in general, he's just like that, you know? Or the other thing is that um, if he wasn't polite enough, he would probably be ostracized within the regiment, right? That's Yeah, because that's true. he's sort of in a situation where danger, where he's fighting for a country that he doesn't want to fight for, but he has to in the hopes that his country would gain independence, you know? Mm-hmm, yeah. But that is all, you can only confirm that. You can speculate, but you can only confirm that if you really know his background, whether he's someone who was living in Britain and chose to fight, or was he, did he come from India and he chose to fight in the World War I uh, battles. Yeah. And then some um, of the dialogue in that scene was great, too. 
uh, I thought the use of the word Huns, right? Like the derogatory, <laughs> it's, I've searched up Huns and then it's like derogatory slang for Germans used by the British our British forces in World War One. So yeah, it definitely adds a, like a layer of like realism, authenticity to the yeah dialogue. Yeah. Because the dialogue, for the most part, is very simple. Like it's the main point is to just get uh, exposition and detail. Yeah, dialogue is not a big part of the movie. It's yeah. just like to establish plot points. Yeah, and it doesn't need to be because this is a movie that's more dependent on the spectacle and the scale. Oh yeah, yeah. But it just doesn't match up as I'd expect it for me at least. And uh, there was another one that took me off guard. One line called saying, uh, "You got a fag," and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> "Yeah, it's that's a British term for cigarettes." Yeah, <laughs> there's a bunch of words like that. Um, the, I think for eggplant, they have one called aubergine. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, because because I mean even. Uh yeah, because it's it was caught me off guard completely. I was like, and then when you show the cigarette, I was like, okay, okay maybe that's <laughs> yeah, what it for, means. For American like, audiences, it's good to know British slang before you watch yeah. this movie. Yeah, just that one line alone. Just know that fag means cigarette <laughs> in uh, Britain. But yeah, otherwise, um, I thought that scene was good. And then yeah, so Mark Strong is basically his regiment is basically a vehicle to like take this guy. From one place to another, and then when he walks in, is when what you were talking about, right, Hamza? Like he walks. In yeah, the singing and the soldiers singing. Uh, um, I'm going home. Yeah. And I thought when he just sat there, like completely. I don't know. Like, I don't know how to describe a, that. A state part of, of me was like, get up and go deliver the message, right? Because he's just wasting time. But then I realized, no, his. I mean, he's so tired that he needs his break. Yeah, I think it's just like the just, yeah. shock and uh, yeah, just the shock and how tired he is, like you said. Like he needs to like process what just happened because he just lost, you know, his friend. He got shot at multiple times Yeah, and he just swam in a, like a river for like a few miles. Yeah, definitely. Because then the regiment comes, they ask him like, hey, you're not part of this regiment. I keep saying regiment, but that's not the right word. I feel like it's unit or something, right? Not in the regiments. Uh, units are a lot smaller. Right. Yeah, no, that's a regiment. Okay, so regiment. Okay, yeah. So then he has to go tell uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's so unexpected. I didn't expect Benedict Cumberbatch. I knew, I knew he was in the movie, but I was like, okay, when is he going to... Is he calling... Yeah, he's in the trailer, I think. He shows up in the trailer. Yeah. Wait, did he? I thought. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, because the only thing I remember from the trailer is the climax. They basically spoil the climax in the trailer for those of you. The running scene. Yeah. Because yeah, the moment he just jumps out, they immediately like all the soldiers have to go because you know the Germans will think they're attacking. Yeah, they blow the vessel. Yeah, yeah. But that's the scene where he was running, and then I found out that that was not scripted, right? The uh, what was it? The soldiers, right? The soldiers, uh, cla- you know, like he clashed with the soldiers mm-hmm. while running. Oh, yeah, he went into one, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then he just kept going and then he just kept running. And I thought the, that was that was like a 
And then Sam and I think I don't know who said keep it in, but I think they decided to keep no, it, it in. No, it was it was definitely a good option to keep it in, because uh, you know, yeah, it just I, it's more realistic. Yeah, it made it so much better too. Because yeah, because if he, you know if he's if he's like speed running into a crowd, he's gonna hit someone. Right, because there's this level of tension, and then it just spikes right up because you see the camera moving away from him, and he just still stuck yeah, there, he right? stopped for that yeah, in that moment, yeah. that just that one moment. And so it just really spikes the tension. Uh, and uh, yeah, then he manages to, yeah, because, the, okay, yeah, the thing is that that scene reminded me of another one in Children of Men, you know, where the blood is on the camera for like a second. Children of Men, is that the one, the apocalyptic one the humans can reproduce? Yeah, the Alfonso Cuaron one. Oh, okay, yeah, I've seen that one. Yeah, so there was, so who's the, cinematographer i think it's emmanuel lubisky i hope i'm saying that right but emmanuel lubesky okay so emmanuel lubesky so he was um annoyed with the fact that when he did the take like the blood came onto the camera but then quaron was like no keep it in that makes it wait what what there's there's that one scene i i can't remember but it's like the i want to say that it's like the last third of the movie where he manages to get into that camp somehow with the woman. Oh, and he's like running through the buildings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like then the bombed out buildings. Yes, and then the and they're blood, shooting and stuff. Yeah, oh, no, bef- no, it's like before they get yeah. into, before they get into the meeting, uh, the into the building, and then meet Chuatel Ejiofor, right? Yeah. Before they meet him, before that, there's some blood on the camera. So that was yeah that's what like he was irritated with because then he would have to do the take again but then Koran was like no 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 that's great but just keep it in and that's sort of the thing that uh it reminded me of you know when i read that sam mendes decided to keep this shot in yeah 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 so then yeah then uh he stops the battle and then he meets his brother i mean the wait oh yeah 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 the blaze brother yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah, and that one was played by who played that? Richard Madden, right? He was on I saw him in something before. I don't know. Yeah, he's he looks familiar. He looked I, I read about him. Oh okay, yeah, he's he's supposed to be in the Eternals. So Oh okay. maybe that's why. Um yeah. And, and also was, one thing I found interesting is the movie ends and starts the exact same scene. It starts with him sitting by a tree mm-hmm. and ends with him sitting by a tree. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because so, in the beginning, yeah. they're like relaxing. But now it mirrors then, the same yeah. shot. But the and other guy's the end, not there. And he's like collapsed on the ground by a tree. Yeah. yeah, and then he's just sitting there looking at photographs of his uh, yeah. children, his wife. So kind yeah. of a full circle thing. Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's more of an indication that, you know, these things are run of the mill. Like, this was just one incident that they took and showed, you know, they put yeah, it on screen. Yeah, like hundreds of more stuff has happened daily in war. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think, oh, I forgot one thing. Um, the scene with the woman um, at Eclipse, oh, like the, he in hides the in the basement, right? Yeah. Yeah. Man, that was, how did I forget that? Okay, so, <laughs> so that scene, that scene, um, sorry for my voice crack, but that scene was weird to me. I don't know what you thought about it. Like, what what were your thoughts on it? Like, because I'm really confused about that scene. Uh, 
like not Honestly, confused as in what happened, but more so like how would it, like what was the need for it in the story? Yeah, it felt kind of shoehorned in. Uh, I don't know. It felt like you know, all like typical war movies have to have that one scene where the GI helps some civilian, and it just felt like quarter for me. Mm, because it felt yeah because same feeling here because it felt like it was like a checklist like okay we had to do this this yeah this, we have this. to have some soldier help some child and woman as like yeah. you know and she she was French too so it was like oh the British are helping the French sort of thing. yeah it it felt kind of forced in yeah in, because wait how many I mean I, I guess it could be like you know humanization but even mm-hmm. then it was still forced yeah and the, the fact that he happened to have milk. At like the right time, yeah. And like she was yeah. like, the, oh, the baby can only drink milk, and like he was like, guess what? Oh, I, I have milk. <laughs> yeah, ex machina. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I, I think uh, in Apocalypse Now, they kind of they did that, but they parodied it. They did they made fun of it in a way too, because uh, in that scene you have uh, General Kilgore. He he passed by some civilians like dying. And he, he's like, uh, he gives him his water bottle, but then the surfer, one, the, you know, the main uh, on the boat, one of the crew is a surfer. So he walks by and he snatches the water bottle from him and gives it to him. So I think mm-hmm. it's like, you know, it's a parodying of that. But I think, yeah, definitely in, in 1917, it was just a checklist item that they had put inside. Yeah. And then I, I think it was to build some more character for the main for like George McKay's character, right? Schofield. Mm-hmm. Schofield. Um, but yeah, it was more of like, he just comes into the basement and then he goes out like, peace out lady, thank you for the first date. And then <laughs> he just moves on, like trying to escape all these German soldiers at Ikust. And then he jumps into this waterfall and it's like this really janky cut. Like you can see, like they clearly cut over there. Like, Oh yeah. No, some of the cuts are pretty obvious. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, and that's why I'm saying, like, I think I went into this with, like, high expectations, thinking this is going to be mind-blowing, but I don't know. I didn't feel the same way after watching. I mean, it was, it was good, but it could be better. Because Road to Perdition, like, this was some... Road to Perdition is, like, this mob movie where with Tom Hanks and Daniel Craig and Jude Law. And it's basically... It's, it's something that you could just, like, take it to... Dial it to 11 and, like, go all out. But Sam Mendes chose to keep it grounded and he had a lot of nicely composed shots. Some of the cinematography is really great. It's not Roger Deakins, but let me see who it is. Because it was, I feel like this was one of the guy's last films. Um, yeah, it, it was uh, Conrad O. Hall who did the cinematography. Oh, okay. And he won a posthumous Academy Award for Best Cinematography for the movie. So yeah, and there's a lot of less dialogue than usual. And yeah, yeah this because, was definitely a departure for Sam Mendes. Uh, like American Beauties is like completely different. The way I don't know because stuff. before this, the movie that he made was Spectre, right? And I, I haven't uh, seen Spectre, okay. but did you see it? No, I've not. But that's like an action film too. So right, I, I would hope there's some similarity between this one and that one. Right, because the other war film that he's made is Jarhead, and that's one. That one is also a collaboration with Roger Deakins. Oh, Jarhead is his? Oh. Yeah. Wait, so what okay, do you think about that Jarhead? That makes sense. I haven't seen all of it. I've seen parts of it. And what I've seen is, it's pretty interesting. 
So uh, on a sense, like in comparison to 1917, because both are like biographical accounts in some ways. Like Jarhead is definitely Jarhead is a lot more cynical. Mm. A lot more cynical. Like he's just trashing the like the US Army and that. Oh, okay. And yeah. 1917 like, is like the opposite. It's more of like a heroic yeah. version, right? It, in Jarhead, heroism is not shown. It's like the the soldiers they want to do stuff, they can't because there's no enemy. But he's sitting. Like, yeah. Here, Mendes like makes a choice to make them seem heroic, but in reality, I don't know. The British were kind of apathetic when it came to like sending soldiers. Because it's not accurate in that sense. Because like so many young men were sent to die unnecessarily. Yeah, I mean, in some cases. But at the same time, general, the characters it's just one death. They don't. Yeah. Really, I mean, yeah. Like, remember he he when he boards the truck uh, after his friend dies. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Doesn't the general say you know some people like war? He like warns him that you know it might be hard to dissuade a general not to attack. Because some people uh, crave uh, war. Yeah, that feeling of fighting, like no matter what. Yeah, like you know, like they no matter be willing to listen. Yeah, because all they want is you know glory. Oh yeah. Again, um, going back to paths of glory. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like but, you know. Yeah, but paths of glory is more of uh, like how three innocent men. Uh, are sentenced to death because they're accused of being traitors when they're actually not, right? Yeah, because the whole unit failed. It's not yeah. just them. Yeah. yeah. And this one was like, if you didn't deliver this message, then, yeah, the entire regiment would fail. And there are people who are trying to stop them, right? Because they don't, they want to attack. They want to have like some sense of purpose. So you see those two people, like before he manages to meet Benedict Cumberbatch, like yeah, there are two the people. Two, the, the two uh, MPs. In, yeah, they literally the push yeah. him and he, he has to like fight his way through in order to get the message delivered. I mean, that's pretty standard because, you know, he's a high ranking general. So yeah, I, yeah. he would have high security on him. No, no, not that because he said that he even has the papers and still the soldiers oh, weren't willing to okay, let yeah, him in. Yeah. So you see like some soldiers like take the war to be like their purpose in life, you know? Like they have to attack in order to get some, like get some important. Yeah, because they've, they've lost like, a, you know. These are people who like lose that, feel like they have nothing left to lose and just want to, you know, like one last hurrah of sorts. So ratings and final thoughts? Uh, Out of, out of 10? Yeah, sure. Or out of five, uh, I don't know how you prefer. Oh, out, of it. out of five, I would give it a three point five. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm uh, leaning more towards a three. Yeah, three out of five. Six out of ten. It, yeah, I mean, it was. It's a good film to watch. It definitely keeps you. It's entertaining. Like it'll definitely keep you engaged. Mm-hmm. Uh, acting is pretty solid, but you know, issues with you know the one take thing. And some like overused military war tropes. Yeah, I feel like I feel like the I, I think there was a lot of effort put into this, but I don't know, it just didn't seem to show like in comparison to Blade Runner twenty forty nine, which was Deacon's previous uh film. Yeah, no, that, that was that was beautiful. Yeah, because before it was amazing. Yeah, yeah, because let me check what he what did he do before he did Goldfinch, I think, this year. 2019. Oh, okay. Although that didn't get much reception, he did that Goldfinch, and before that, he did Blade Runner. And like after 13 nominations, he finally won the Academy Award for that one. 
but yeah Blade Runner was was uh definitely a great movie it's a good sequel to the first one yeah and now he's like, it's, like, it's hard yeah it's hard to make a good sequel but he he did it yeah and then Danny will know too and Hampton yeah Hunter, I mean all, yeah I think everyone on the project was very committed to like making oh yeah movies, yeah so. Villeneuve is a good director too like Sicari and, then now, and all those movies and then now uh Roger Deakins is doing some uh yeah he's doing the cinematography for a computer animated film so oh nice yeah from like, so, yeah, sony pictures yeah which one uh it's called vivo <laughs> oh okay and that's based on an idea by lin-manuel miranda so if you don't know who he is uh hamilton oh yeah so okay. it might be like a musical of sorts that'd this be interesting, interesting to see yeah i mean you have an interesting you know cast yeah and also it, yeah. yeah also for like the li- people who are listening to, uh, to this um roger deacons also has a podcast called team deacons like he started it during quarantine so he just interviews people like he has done interviews with like sam mendes and like with john crowley who directed the goldfinch and like brooklyn and things like that so he talks with a bunch of people about animation and his experience with uh, film i think he has one with george mckay too so yeah, if you're interested in that, you should check that out because I don't know. It's not often you see a cinematographer in Hollywood like have a podcast and answer questions and talk about stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, and anyone who's interested, I'm just saying, he probably has more listeners than us. So <laughs> I, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if, if Roger Deakins is listening to this, uh, please give the podcast a shout out. We really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, just just don't worry about our ratings. We love Blade Runner twenty forty nine, nineteen seventy not as much. But <laughs> still, still advertise our podcast. We really appreciate it. It'd be much appreciated. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, dude. I feel like I feel like when I say when I say three out of five for the rating, it's okay. But then if I say six out of ten, I feel like people immediately perceive as negative. You know. Yeah, I think this the ratio is kind of yeah because off. because you know every other rating I gave it was like so far is like pretty high for the most part like Lego Movie five out of five Inception four and Lego half. Movie the first one yeah I gave it a five hmm, okay <laughs> wait well, what do you think <laughs> <laughs> well what do you think about the Lego Movie yeah some criticism I'm not willing to hear it, I mean but you have some criticism it's, it's an ad the whole movie is an ad sure but it's a Legos. good one. Dude. <laughs> It's a really good a, one. You gotta admit. Okay, it's it's a good ad, but it's still an ad to sell toys. So you're gonna give it a four and a half? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't, yeah. That's fine. That's that's what you think, and I, I'm. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. I'm trying, I'm trying <laughs> to convince myself. No, I'm like I'm kidding. No, that's totally fine if you don't like the Lego Movie. But I just really love. I mean, it, I I like it, but like it's an ad for toys. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think it was really as well as done. cinematic art goes. It's not like you know. I mean, it's it's shot like it's animated beautifully. Mm-hmm. I'll give that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So you heard that he hates the Lego Movie. So <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah. So what I was saying was, that, I did not hate Lego Movie. Yeah, I, I think I think now onwards I'll just. Yeah, now onwards, I'll just do my ratings from five. So Lego Movie, five out of five. Inception, four and a half. Hardcore Henry, you two gave and Inception half. four and a half for Lego Movie, five out of five? Yeah. We, we need to talk. Yeah, <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> I, I discussed a couple of things on the podcast, Hamza. Yeah, we need to talk. Yeah, yeah. No, if you listen to the podcast, I, I do talk about a couple of things. So 
my criticisms oh, okay. are in that. Yeah. Okay. I'm too lazy to open my mouth <laughs> and say those again. So yeah. So yeah, and a hard but I give hardcore Henry like uh two and a half out of five. So Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'm I'm very strict with my ratings, guys. <laughs> I have yeah, I always reserve the yeah. No, I, I, I set myself to like a higher standard. So like, yeah, I, I just don't want to give tens out like candy, right? So exactly. Yeah, I, I think. Well, uh, we should probably wrap up this episode. Yeah. No, I didn't finish yet, man. Hardcore Henry, two and a half out of five. Clockwork Orange, <laughs> five out of five, and this one, three out of five. All right. Now we're finished. All right. So let's Seems wrap up fair. this episode okay. then. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to uh, just give the out uh, the recommendation because? Yeah. So for next podcast i recommend we discuss the fifth element uh 1997 film mm-hmm. uh the director i forgot so you can look him up on google uh it is luke besson right i think so he's some french director yeah, yeah. he made um what was the one that lucy he made lucy then? and then he made uh the one the big one is uh Leon the Professional, that one. That's the one that is like his biggest success. Like yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's the one with Gary Oldman and like Natalie Portman's first movie. But the one that we'll be talking about is The Fifth Element, right? The Fifth Element, yes. All this right. one is with Bruce Willis and uh, others. This one, this one has Gary Oldman too. Yeah, uh, yeah. Chris Tucker, Mila Jovovich, and Ian Holm. So, and yeah, so that's the recommendation. And wait, this is like a polarizing movie. So okay, this will be interesting. Yeah, no, it's definitely like either you hate it, you love it. There's no middle ground. Oh, okay. okay yeah. Like so juicy conversation. All right. And yeah, that's the end of the episode. Uh, if you want to follow us on our socials, Hamza. Yeah, my Instagram is Hamza nine H U M Z A A H nine. Yeah. Yeah, good. And my Instagram is Risha Poikyo. It's my name. So we'll link it down in the description if you want to follow. And although I have no posts, Hamza actually does a lot of photography and stuff. So if you're interested. Yeah, I, I shoot a lot of uh, like landscape photography. Yeah, much better than Roger Deakins. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's not good. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. We have a long way to go. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yo, yeah. <laughs> but yeah no Roger Deakins is amazing I love him yeah no no offense Roger Deakins we love him yeah yeah no offense yeah. but Hamza's better <laughs> <laughs> yeah but yeah and that's about it that's the end of this episode so next week tune in and we'll be discussing the fifth element so see yeah. you see you